Welcome to HRI's Next in Health podcast, where today we'll be talking about winning the Medicare customers of the next decade. I'm Igor Belokronetsky, a principal with PwC Strategy End, where I help leading health organizations with their strategies and operating models. And today I am joined by Deepak Talani and Rohit Nayak. Deepak is a partner who focuses on driving strategy transformation for Medicare and Medicaid plans. And Rohit is a director who focuses on health plan growth through digital and deals transformation. Rohit and Deepak, welcome to the podcast. Thank you, Igor. Thank you for having us, Igor. Excellent. Rohit and Deepak, you recently wrote an article about capturing the Medicare customer of the next decade. So what is the big deal? Why is it important to be talking about it right now? Your America is actually growing quite a bit. If we sort of look into the crystal ball a little bit over the next sort of eight, nine years, the population about 65 and older will actually be going from about 56 million to about 73 million. So quite a bit of change in the overall makeup of the country. Just in the next two to three years, we're expecting 10 to 12 million members becoming part of the Medicare Advantage program. Just this AEP, we take a step back, the Medicare to Medicare Advantage sort of ratio will be at the tipping point. We have typically seen over the last sort of couple of years, the Medicare to Medicare Advantage sort of percentage being somewhere close to 40, 42% of members being part of that program. Over the next sort of one to two years, we're expecting that tipping point to flip the 50% mark. I think why this is really important is that we're seeing the product richness and benefits attracting the 65 plus population. And we're going to continue to see that over the next couple of years as well. Fascinating. And so I'm hearing that there's going to be a lot more members in Medicare and in Medicare Advantage. What about the actual people that are aging in? Is there anything different about them from the the current members? So it's interesting if you think about our next cohort of Medicare Advantage members for the next few years even. They're quite different from what used to be a traditional Medicare member. I think they're different on a few fronts. I think specifically around how they're shopping, their shopping behaviors and how what they're looking for is changing. Their preferences in terms of what they want in a Medicare Advantage product, that is changing. And finally, channels from which they consume information, that is changing. So as I think from a health plan standpoint, right, and as I should think about capturing these members, both from a channel and a product standpoint, then there are a few things that would be really important. Number one, considering this Medicare Advantage cohort is very diverse. It's been more diverse than ever. So it's diverse in terms of race, gender, financial position, ethnicities, and whatnot. And it's also diverse in terms of what they're really demanding. I mean, now the demand for value is increasing day over day. And when I say value, it's two things. Number one, they are indeed looking for much richer benefits that Deepak was alluding to before, more so than what a typical health plan product can have and going all the way to health adjacencies like food, nutritional food, transportation, et cetera. And also all of this at a lower cost. And it'd be surprising the number of $0 premium Medicare advantage products, how much they've increased now. In 2023 AEP, based on our latest analysis, about 65% of Medicare Advantage products would be $0 premium. And to kind of address all the diversity, in the, again, the 2023 AEP, you have 4,400 Medicare Advantage plans. Each Medicare Advantage member has access to about 43 Medicare Advantage products. So that's a lot of choice. And the plans need to think about the diversity of needs. Second piece of as they're thinking about capturing these members, what's really important to these members is continuity of care. 
So as you know, the retirement age is no longer 65. Folks are retiring at 70, 75, 80. And that's really moving. And also from that standpoint, as they think about their Medicare Advantage product, they really look for something around continuity of care. And when I say continuity, it's continuity of their primary care physician, continuity of the hospitals and health systems they visit, and also continuity in terms of the member experience they receive and that experience. So which is why plans that have commercial and medical advantage products, they should actively think about how do they should synchronize the two to kind of maintain a consistent channel. And lastly, is the digital and digital channel and digital member engagement. So I know that's been a big term that's been discussed over the last two, three years. And I know all of us are hearing about how the new seniors and you know, the baby boomers are so much more digital savvy. But I think the important piece here is ensuring the right mix of digital and other channels are in place. Because all digital, I think, even though a lot of the seniors are digital savvy, doesn't always work. So it needs to be a very healthy mix of digital and other channels. And in some cases, your primary channel may not even be digital, but it's a support channel. When I say digital, it's two fronts. Number one, how they're consuming information. So as you think about your marketing campaigns and such, how do you kind of embed digital channels into it? Second thing is the shopping channel. And I think as one of the recent studies we read last year, it said, you know, in a few years, about 50% of the members would be actually buying Medicare Advantage products using digital channels. So that's huge. So those are the things I would say are fairly different from a Medicare Advantage member now versus what it was before. Right. That's really interesting. And the digital aspect of it reminds me of the conversation we just had about these virtual first health plans and how they may change the landscape as well. But I want to go back to the point that you made around the continuity of care and preserving that continuity. And it can be an abrupt transition to go from a commercial to a, a Medicare Advantage plan as someone retires and becomes eligible I'm wondering, Deepak, if you could share your thinking on how does that journey happen? How does that transition happen? And how can a health insurer stick together with the member and help them manage that transition and make it as seamless as possible? It's an interesting question, Igor. If we put ourselves in the shoe of a you know, 60 to 64-year-old member, it's actually quite scary. You're not only sort of just leaving the workforce, but you could potentially have access to your doctors, both on the PCP side and specialist side, as well as your drugs abruptly stopped. So managing that transition is actually quite a challenging experience, not only just for the member, but a very important aspect of the health plans as well. The journey actually starts quite early, typically around the 58 to 62 mark. That's when most members are starting to learn about what is Medicare? What is Medicare Advantage? What's the difference between Part A and B versus C and D? What is the role of sort of Medicare supplement and how can it help me fill gaps in my potential coverage? After that initial introductory period, it gets into the age 63, 64. And that's where the health plans really step up and provide customized plan-specific information to the members themselves based on previous experience of what doctors they visit and the drugs they take, they can really provide a customized set of options that will let them know, will their PCP and cardiologist be covered as part of the network if they were to choose their Medicare Advantage plan? Will their statins and insulins continue to be covered? And then as they're approaching the 64, 64 and a half age, the health plan is really working very closely with the member in itself, making sure the enrollment experience is smooth, making sure the application is all pre-populated and ensuring continuity of care that both you and Rohit talked about 
making sure any sort of prior outs and refills are continued to be tagged to the member's profile in order to make sure when that switch does occur, there is no sort of interruption in care of any kind. That's very interesting and very consistent with some of the conversations we've had before around health organizations focusing on the lifetime value of customer and trying to create these customers for life. And this seems like a pretty huge transition. So what you're describing is having an experience that's seamless and coordinated and user-friendly. And so to have that kind of an experience for a member, you have to be organized to deliver that kind of experience backstage. And for a lot of health plans, they're new to the government business. Some, they may have been in it for a long time, but it sits kind of in a separate silo. So what has to happen behind the scenes backstage to make sure that you are delivering this kind of a seamless transition for the members? That's a very good question because we can have all the personalized member engagement, et cetera, but you don't have coordinated operations. I think it will fall through. So in our experience, there are three things that really health plans should focus on as they're building these capabilities. Number one is, I would say what I call a streamlined operation that a streamlined operating model across the Medicare Advantage line of business and the commercial line of business from where a lot of these members would agent to Medicare. And what I mean by that is, number one, there should be more coordination between these LOBs in terms of who are these members aging and what are some of their issues so that the Medicare Advantage member or line of business can really customize their product around it. Number two is in the more important piece, as we think about the incentive model as to how do you tie incentive for more Medicare Advantage members aging into your Medicare Advantage product for commercial line of businesses. And in concept, it sounds easy, but most MA plans we work with don't have this kind of an incentive model. Second piece, which kind of drives number one is, let's say more sharing of data across both the lines of businesses and having the right kind of analytics tools and capabilities to have more addressable outreaches. And I'll put some context into that. For example, currently, as we think about commercial lines of businesses, they have enough data right now or they can build analytics around the fact that which are some of these members who are at a risk of non-conversion. And there are a few ways they can do that. For example, their customer satisfaction scores are low. They're probably making a lot of calls to the call centers for changes to their PCPs. Or there are just some issues they're trying to appeal or they're trying to address, which is why they're calling call centers about. So these are kind of leading indicators that plans can really track to track members who are at the risk of non-conversion. And how you use that is once you have these algorithms in place to identify these members, you can have targeted interventions for these members. And lastly, I think how we can leverage some of our front office capability to expedite or improve conversion is number one, use your employer relationships, have these lunch and learn sessions with your employer groups where you educate the employees of your commercial employer on your medical advantage product. It's Surprising to know that sometimes these members don't even know their current health plan has a pretty competitive medical advantage product. And secondly, also, as you think about your brokers who are the key to a medical to getting these seniors buy medical black products, have more education sessions with them upfront and how these brokers who have a relationship with these communities and these members. How can they start educating the members early on about your product and, you know, as Deepak mentioned, Medicare Advantage in general that can start building some of the trust early? So those are, I would say, the three pointed things what health plans can do to kind of enable a smoother transition and also, honestly, a better experience for Medicare Advantage members as they age in. 
when it seems like it'd be worthwhile to make the investment to do those things because the opportunity to be there for these members that are making the transition is pretty great. And there are a lot of those members coming. And so this is a time to get ready. Deepak and Rohit, thanks for joining us today and sharing those insights with us. Thank you, Igor. Yeah, thank you for having us, Igor. It's a very exciting topic. And I hope this was useful. It absolutely is. And we will link your article in the show notes, as always, for more on these topics and other health industry insights driven by policy, innovation, and care delivery changes. Please visit us at pwc.com forward slash HRI. Until next time, this has been Next in Health. This podcast is brought to you by PwC All Rights Reserved. PwC refers to the U.S. member firm or one of its subsidiaries or affiliates and may sometimes refer to the PwC network. Each member firm is a separate legal entity. Please see www.pwc.com structure for further details. This podcast is for general information purposes only and should not be used as a substitute for consultation with professional advisors.